0: Welcome to Tech at Lunch, the podcast that satisfies your hunger for all things tech while you enjoy your midday meal. So grab your sandwich, tune in, and let's dig in. Hello, I'm Nick.
1: Hey, I'm John.
0: And, you know, this week we're going to kind of keep up with our, uh, the, uh, series that we started about two weeks ago. Sorry we didn't do one last week, um... You know, a uh, football called and was say, let them know. <laughs> it was time to go watch a good uh, Penn State win, you know, home win against West Virginia, uh, packed crowd, 110,000 people. Um, oh, nice. If you don't know, they have, Penn State does have one heck of a, of an additive manufacturing program. Um, and I'm, I'm sure we'll get into that eventually. Um, but that is definitely one that, you know, if you're gonna go find an engineering program to do for added manufacturing. You know, definitely go take a look at them and, you know, give them, a, give them a shout. But, you know, we don't have Ed with us today. Um, he had some issues that popped up. But, you know, we also want to let everybody know, because I know John did this last time, is gotten to the point of, go check us out over there at, uh, you know, Vulcan 3 d and um, uh, PrintedHeritage.com. Um, go check us out over there. Uh, We've got some stuff going on, you know, custom lithophanes and, you know, the works. So, with that, that brings me to this week's topic. Um, So, we talked about consumables and sustainability last week for nozzles, beds, and tubes. So, this week, we're going to talk about the consumables and the the, the, um, uh, sustainability for extruders.
1: Yeah. Yeah, I mean we got into a lot of a lot of the detail on on single-use things of of course consumables most of the time are going to be your single-use things so why we brought up um sustainability um but but before i before i go too deep i mean i think we need to kind of set a base layer right a basic understanding um so i mean extruder in the name makes sense you're extruding something a lot of people anyone who's worked with you know autocad or any of the the CAD programming um, you know uh, applications they, they know when you extrude something you're, you're <clears> bringing something to life you're giving it depth you're giving it um, some some shape and form so it's a similar idea you're extruding out from from a hot end um, uh, whatever your you know filament might be whatever your medium is so I mean, that's the most simple, I could probably put it, is it's bringing your, your plastic in and push, uh, pushing it through the, the hot end to, to make it form into whatever your uh, file, your STL is that you've submitted. Yeah. But, yeah, at, at the end of the day, you got to start somewhere, right?
0: Right, so, and think about a tube of toothpaste. Yeah,
1: exactly. Exactly. exactly.
0: Like, that or super glue
1: you uh, you you the force that you're squeezing on that bottle or, or or that container is is forcing the you know whatever medium uh to like toothpaste to to come out of the the tube there and that's that's om- Almost exactly the idea that we are using in 3D printing. Of course, it's a lot more focused, I would say, uh, a lot more precise. You have a, a nozzle. We talked about nozzles last uh, our last podcast episode, where uh, you can have a diameter of the exit uh, of of that nozzle. 0. 0.4. I, I think you use 0.6, right, Nick? Mm-hmm. Yeah. Uh, maybe not on everything, but but for the most part, a lot of people standard base base uh, nozzle comes in. Point four, so that's probably what you're using, uh, and that's millimeter, of course. Yeah, that's what uh, I've on the on, yeah. Yeah, see, I mean, so so it becomes a uh, like, why does it, why does it have to be like that? And to me, it makes sense because I want if I have a smaller diameter of my my nozzle that my extruder is pushing the hot plastic through, I have a little bit more control on the detail of the print. I have a little bit more control on. Um, uh, some of the, let's say, thinner walls that and supports and stuff. Uh, however, I have a bit of a problem with um, anything that's more uh, that's larger in scale, right? So the thicker your uh, let's say your layers are, um, then that can also directly affect the quality of your print, the integrity of your print. So I, I think that not only you need to think about the nozzle when you're thinking about your extruder um uh, you need to think about uh flow rate right
0: exactly right now so. it's like you don't want to go to a point eight. and you know think that oh great we'll be able to extrude this yeah you know at a, at, a, at a decent rate you're not going to it's going to flow through there through like you know melted uh melted butter
1: yeah exactly i mean what, what do you like honestly if you don't do it it's, it's, if you don't control your flow, then you're going to have inconsistencies and that's where your artifacting will pop up and that's where your, you know, your layer shifts will happen because you've got excess filament here or less filament there, you know, uh, and, what, what do you think?
0: And if you think about it, it also, if, if your nozzle is too small and you are over extruding, you know, through your extruder, you're also going to get a lot of, say, back pressure and next thing you know, you're going to be shooting... Film it out your hot end. Um, seen that oh, before, creep, right,
1: yeah,
0: right. Um, I but mean, the thing is, it's like even if you think about it, a 0.2 is great for certain yeah. things without speed behind it,
1: yeah. I think also it depends on um, the size of your entire like if you're doing 0.2 and you've got a 300 millimeter by 300 millimeter bed, mm-hmm. um, the smaller your nozzles, uh, um diameter there, the longer it takes to print. So if you have a benchy that takes an hour to print at 0.4 nozzle, you take it to 0.2, it's going to have twice the detail. It's going to take twice as long (laughs) right? because it's so much thinner. It has to put, to be able to put the same amount of plastic, It can't do it in the same speed.
0: Exactly. And, you know, the thing is, is like, you know, like you mentioned, you know, nozzle size is dependent upon printer size and the thing is is that goes along with your extruder too what is your flow rate your flow rate should be you know kind of tuned to the size of the printer because larger the printer you know like mine you know i have a 350 by 350 by 350 but i also have an Ender 5 that you're you know you have to tune your flow rates for you know those type of you know uh events what are you printing on them um how are they being used also what material i don't think people realize that the extruder type or what an extruder is is directly also tied to the material that you're pushing through it Mm -hmm. because we, we, we we've all been there um i know i really haven't messed with tpu all that much but you put that you know glue type tpu through there and you better, you know, pray to, you know, whatever you're praying to that you've got, you know, at least a decent extruder behind it.
1: Out a way to be PC. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> there you go. Uh, but no, you're right. I mean, some of us uh, prayed up um, Joseph Prusa, right? Yep, <laughs> so, exactly. But no, but, but seriously, I think that uh, yeah, you make a great point. Like um, I don't to kind of compare if someone doesn't know or use TPU, it's a very rubbery um, uh, substance. If you've ever tried to force like a rubber band through like uh, like a, uh, I don't know, a hole the size of like a, a shoelace hole or something like that, just like a, like a keyhole size. If you've ever tried to shove something that has that much friction on it, you're not going to have a good time. And that's the biggest problem with with some of the extruders um, because you compare a push or a pull system. And, and what I mean by that is is your push system is your bowden tube. Uh, it's got an, an external uh, motor, stepper motor, that's that has maybe one or two gears on it that's pulling in your filament and pushing it through the hot end. So that's a pusher. There's a, there's a puller, which is more of a direct feed or a direct drive, which is directly on the hot end. You don't need a Bowden tube to transfer from the extruder to the hot end. It's just directly through. Well, I guess you have a small Bowden tube there. Mm-hmm. It depends on which ones you're using. Uh, but it's definitely not the same amount of Bowden tube, and it's all in one compact unit. Uh, in my eyes, a lot of those are usually dual gear itself. And if they're pulling, you'll find that pulling something through uh, it is much easier than trying to push it through, um, especially if it's got to what, what is it the our, uh, differences are, are like, point zero zero one of a uh, 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 dimensional accuracy, right? Mm-hmm. So it's it's really really finite differences. Like your filament diameter is one point seven five millimeter. If you have a Bowden tube that is too tight on that, you end up, um, mangling it like yeah you either it gets stuck you won't push it through or you'll have a clog and that's the same thing with if you're pushing it too through too much like through a, a small nozzle you'll get a clog you'll have heat um, heat creep up the hot end and then you're going to you're not you're going to have to take that whole thing apart to be able to get any more filament through again because you've just melted plastic perfectly into the inside of it so i i mean direct drive is the way to go bowden yeah. tube is not bad it definitely is a beginner but um now'
0: God, I'll, I'll, gear. <laughs> I'll, I'll, I'll have to, to ask this question, you know, because I've used both. Um, I do prefer uh you know direct drive um between direct drive and Bowdoin. okay? We have our opinions, you know, and I think both of our opinions kind of align with each other. But would you think that a direct drive extruder, would be considered user, or not we. We um a be, be um, uh, beginner friendly.
1: Ooh, I would say more intermediate. Uh, I would not say start off with that. Um, the reason being, uh, trying to first learn how to feed your extruder when you first put a new filament into it. Um, if you don't know exactly kind of what you're doing, it can kind of tend to get caught turned bent pulled some way and then snapping and then you get plastic stuck in there and it's it's not as easy you have to take it apart again try it one more time and it gets frustrating and if you're anything like me if you do something four or five times and the same thing happens I, i i get a little bit upset frustrated i have to set it down and take a walk think about it come back and take it from a different angle um so uh for me if if i have if I got a direct drive when I first started, I would, it would be sitting down and uh, it would be in the corner still kind of waiting for me to put it in there if I got any type of, um, you know, had any type of struggle the first time putting Mm -hmm. it in as opposed to having the one that's defaulted where I I clearly understand there's little resistance on that gear on the, where the stepper is. Uh, Initially, I have an Ender 3 that's where I first started and that's, the easiest thing in the world to understand, you need to cut it at a forty five degree angle so it feeds through so that the gears teeth can grab it at a certain uh, spot and then push it through or pull it through. I wouldn't have understood that as much if I had just went straight into a direct drive.
0: Which is kind of funny because I you know, I kind of agree with you. I, I think start simple, you know, work your way to the more advanced, you know, printers um because you know if you can understand the simple stuff you can master the more complicated environment and you know and i'll i'll say this the voron environment is a completely different animal than most other direct drive printers because of the space from it from the spool holder to the nozzle itself which i kind of see as an issue um the distance is kind of a pain in the butt um, because it's not directly on top of the print, directly on top of the extruder, right. you do have some some distance to overcome when you're feeding it and stuff like that. So, you know, for me, I I'm, I agree with you. I think that you know a you need to start out with a Bowden system. I think it, it makes you understand the process better, understands the technology better, you know, and really gets involved in that. And also, the thing is, is if you talk about sustainability, those Bowden tube systems like the enders are easier to maintain and find parts for if you are to start with a direct drive system it's all or nothing when you go to replace something
1: yeah it's like you might even have to replace your hot end which will double up which <laughs> what you have to replace is even more money
0: right and um, which now makes me wonder and i i know you and me haven't had this really haven't touched on this conversation all too much my question is because, you know, we are talking about the, the, the sustainability of this thing. And I started to think that, you know, a lot of people are moving away from uh, boat and fed systems and going to direct drive. I've seen a lot of the new printers coming out for new people, for beginners, going direct drive.
1: Yeah. You know what? And I have noticed that most of those are Core xy Yeah. So it's. Uh, I mean, I want to. I want to circle back on the Voron topic that you were talking about. It's almost like you have a. It's almost like you need a boat tube between your your um, your hot end direct drive, uh, extruder, and then your your uh, filament spool. I do. It, it's kind of. <laughs> it's kind of like you have both, the best of both worlds there. <laughs> yeah. So I mean, but that's that's the intent though, because like like if you think about. You use you're printing G or ABS, right? Yeah. You don't necessarily need to cool that or or or, or dry that filament, I should say, uh, as it's coming in. But if you get into filaments like ASA, like peak, like uh, some of the carbon fiber, some of, like polycarbonates, like those things that need to be dried consistently, they can't sit on an open spool out in the oak like out and about, because they'll they'll uh, you know consume air or um, their what is it Hydroscopic? Yeah, hydroscopic. Hydroscope. Hydroscopic, thats what it is. They absorb water out of the atmosphere, so they—they. They, that's why you need to dry the filament. But if you have a filament dryer, you're probably going to need a Bowden tube from there to your your direct drive. I will say that. Mm-hmm. And you know, the worst worst part is is it doesn't hurt anything besides it just protects the filament a, uh, a little bit longer, so yeah. it should keep that moisture out better.
0: Now I have seen where you build an enclosure on top of the Voron and put your filament up there to feed it. And it acts as a dryer. I've seen that.
1: Uh, yeah, that's a great idea. You use the hot end or the hot end and the bed to to uh, equilibrate the enclosure's at uh, uh, ambient temperature. It's beautiful. Mm-hmm. That's actually really smart. I mean, you use less, you're reusing the energy, right? Sustainable. <laughs> right. It's like a self-looking lollipop. Yeah. Right.
0: But also the S valves. that's something that's kind of got me. The Sval system, which I love that printer. I think it's great. Um, you know, haven't had a chance to get my hands on one and try it yet. But I think that if you start in the realm of you know sustainability, you're talking about a three hundred dollar, roughly three hundred to four hundred dollars depending on where you're at. Um, direct drive, Prusa-like printer that is easy for somebody to use it is sustainable because it's you can easily find the parts that to me kind of is sits in that that or their entire network sits in that kind of i guess you'd say gray space
1: yeah i think it's a good place to be though i mean it's got the it's got the the super pinda pinda penda super penda drive or not drive uh, auto leveler it's it's got um it's got a lot of the direct drive systems that that we're looking for out of you know the standard Prusa, uh, and I would say it's the intermediate made basic, right? Like it, it's easy for a new a uh, beginner to understand now. So I think I think it makes sense to me. Like what, what we say we say it all the time: buy once, cry once. Yeah, exactly. It might be a little bit more expensive, but you're not going to be spending a hundred dollars to replace the bed to replace the uh motherboard to replace the the motors eventually to add a dual z you're not gonna have to do all those things Uh, a a lot of these things are already on it so I, i mean they kind of beached it to the punch on that stuff and i love that idea of of you know buy quality buy once get the right item make sure you make sure it's right and then yeah it only hurts the one time
0: yeah you know definitely we want to get our hands on one of those and you know we may I may eventually go ahead and get one, you know, for us to review, you know, and okay. we could do a review on it on the, on the, on the blog and, you know, write a, write a review on it and, you know, some of the other stuff, which I've been meaning to do that for the on Um, but just have not got around to doing yet. Um, you know, start we'll the, the vote on, three next and then you know, Jesus starting to start that. me. <laughs> Coming don't up next. don't don't start me on other small little. I have other things I got to take care of first, like building this <laughs> CNC machine, which you know that's also where you start getting some fun stuff. Oh
1: yeah.
0: Which you know that's where you really start playing with the extruder because if your really, if your layer lines are wrong, then guess what? You have no more you know structural rigidity.
1: <laughs> yeah, it's kind of scary in there. So I mean, there, there's a reason for there's a there's a use for subtractive and a use for additive manufacturing. So I think that I mean. Having a CNC machine is is great too because it's so easy to convert that to an uh, an engraver, as well, um, which is funny enough a change of the extruder and hotend. <laughs> right. <exactly. laughs> so, um, but yeah, no, I, we kind of got a little off topic there. I mean, honestly, extruders uh, are 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 so important though uh, that like I I think I've had on each of the Ender threes they come with a plastic extruder and it's a single gear so you can tell if you use it a little bit you can immediately tell that it's maybe not pulling that plastic as as, as uh, strong if you ever tried it, there's a good test um, this is something I should have probably said a lot uh, sooner uh, this is something that my brother kinda showed me it's a great idea uh, so if you take the bowden tube off and you put that filament to the base of wherever uh, your extruder is about to Push out the filament, right? Um, if it's an if it's a direct drive, I'm sorry, you can't really test this this way. You'd have to do it a different way. Um, but the whole point is, is you you take the bowden tube off, you put it to the end of where it's gonna shoot out of the side of the um, extruder, and then you take a, a a sharpie and you mark a you mark a spot right where it lines up with the beginning of the extruder, and then you. Uh, measure out 100 millimeters and then make another mark on the Sharpie and then tell the tell the printer to extrude 100 millimeters. And I can guarantee you, even if I did it on each one of my printers now, it wouldn't be right. So that, those are the things I had to change. And we talked about uh, the flow rate. That's a good, easy test for your flow rate because then you could do some calculations. You can change some of your... Um, in, in clipper it's called rotational distance um i believe it's I, th- I believe it is called flow rate in in uh marlin so yeah you can have a lot of control on those things you can test to see if you're extruding 100 millimeters exactly
0: i'm have to try that one though just, yeah, to, just to play with it
1: it's very humbling i'm not gonna lie <laughs> it,
0: it sounds like we may need to break out one of the uh the spare enders in the other room and do a YouTube video on that little tutorial and show people how it works.
1: Yeah, that shouldn't be too bad. We could probably run it off of a a, a, a okay. small like a uh, Pi or something like that too, or, or some small microcontroller. Yep. Shouldn't be too bad. Just hook all the the steppers up and try to do the the same push. Right. Uh, but, no, yeah, that's – I mean, that's that's the easy way to, to quickly test what your flow rate is. And, and I will remind you, not all brands are made the same. Oh, no. They have different blends of plastics and polymers. Not all of PLA is the same. Not all PETG is the same. So just because it says the same thing on the front, the consistency and blend has to be proprietary to that uh, maker. And because of that, that creates a lot of diversity in some of their um, –
0: filaments yeah and the thing is the like like you said the extruders themselves are not are, well they're they're not all made equally we we know that for a fact if yeah. you you know if you have the plastic um uh extruder i think i may have a spare one of those um for that comes on the ender threes so get rid of the darn thing quickly um
1: if it still lasts you gee <laughs> yeah right i
0: some some people man they, they live they, they live and die by the sword okay yeah Um, so you never know what you're going to get, but the thing is, is switch that thing out to metal. That should be the first upgrade you do. You shouldn't have to worry about it all too much. Um, because the thing is, is, you know, do it now and not worry about it later. And that goes along with sustainability thing. Because the thing is, if you replace it now with a metal one that works, then you don't have to worry about doing it again later. Or just buy the printer that's got a metal one
1: on it. Yeah, if you buy it out of the gate, that's that's probably your most or your best option, too. Um, I won't say that it's completely configured. You're still going to have to um, calibrate and all that good stuff on it. But at the end of the day, yeah, I mean, we said it before, buy once, cry once. I stand by that. Mm. Um, it's a real get the metal thing. one, get the dual gear, get the direct drive. It's going to do you better, and you shouldn't have to replace it as often. But it is much more expensive. You pay. You really do pay for the quality.
0: Yeah, you know, and that's the thing that's what I've always, sta- you know, stood for and stuff like that. It's also, you know, it, it, it's the fact is that most of us have got are are hitting that point in our lives where we pay for convenience, um, and wow. stuff that works correctly is a convenience. Something I don't have to fight all the time is a convenience.
1: Yeah, right. It's something that's not. Uh, throwing me airs all the
0: time and i have to fix <laughs> that sounds like that sounds all too familiar just not with the 3d print. yeah <laughs>
1: <laughs> we won't
0: we won't call anybody out. <laughs> yeah that, that, if you're that, that. doing the
1: same thing over and over and you don't think that you're crazy <laughs> i got some news for you
0: <laughs> right definition of insanity is yeah. you know <laughs> it, it is true. very well documented you know That's true
1: all right. Well, well, that's good, though. We, we, so we talked about the basics like we, we pinned. I mean, those are the main things I think about when I'm thinking about an FFF or FDM printer. Mm-hmm. I mean, you don't have the same thing when you talk about SLA or DLP. The, the resin printing isn't the same um, kind of extrusion. You don't have the same thing for a, a powder bed fusion print. Um, it That's completely different. However, you can have the same thing for pellet fed. Now, there uh, are pellet fed extruders
0: that makes me actually ask, actually ask this question it, it gives, I don't know why it just hit me but if you're doing the powder bed fusion right wouldn't the laser be considered an extruder technically oh I, I guess
1: I would count it as a hot end <laughs> <laughs> but I mean but but only in the sense that it's not not touching the um, the material it's printing of. Mm-hmm. Uh, there's got to be something that drops the powder on the bed. There's
0: there's that little stick thing that yeah. spreads it so I think that would be considered an extra. I
1: would, I guess in that sense I would count that because like yeah it's it's got to uh, you know distribute the uh, aluminum flakes or, or whatever uh, alloy you're using evenly and yeah
0: so it's kind of like the autofill system on, on, a, on a on a resin printer
1: yeah I would count that just an idea Count that. Actually, that's a good point. That's a good point. Formlabs has a, a 3L that has a cartridge-based uh, resin, uh, so it's like kind of like your standard, uh, you know, 2D printer that you have in every office, where you load a cartridge and it pulls from that cartridge. In that sense, the mechan- mechanism that's pulling from the cartridge and and bringing it to the print bed is an extruder to me.
0: Yeah, me too. It meets so. the definition.
1: Yeah, I mean, I, we don't have to necessarily call it an extruder, but I, it's doing the same process, I could tell you that much. Yeah. Um, but we can even get weirder than that, Great right? Point. So, yeah, <laughs> we, we've, we've gone down the, the Google rabbit hole several times to see just how many printers are there, how many extruders are there, what what can you do? When you um, see them
0: in person, you realize that's just, that wasn't just as weird as you wrote. <laughs> no, it's, yeah, we're definitely, if, if
1: it gets bigger, we were, I was skeptical when I first saw about the hang robot, you hang it on, uh, pulley points on the corners of your room so that your room is your print bed, I was, that right there started a rabbit hole that I haven't even found the bottom of yet, so, uh, um, and doors bought yeah, right. <laughs> so I'm curious. But we found a few things. We found uh, – I think one of the things that we constantly, like, we laugh about and we say we want to get one of is the pancake bot. We bring it up a lot, actually. It, you can put in a whole bunch of models of, like, hey, I want this to – I want a pancake of Marilyn Monroe. And it will it'll put that on there, and it will – I like, the, the print bed is a griddle. Like, it's, it's hilarious. And yeah. then the, the hot end and extruder all together is, like, a – um, plastic like water, a like a plastic bottle. yeah, <laughs> like a it's it's crazy and, and even even deeper than that. So that's a food situation. So that right there, that's amazing.
0: There's again, also the chalk now gonna happen. The thing is is we, we we're talking about food. You know I'm fat. But um I was doing a little bit of research because that again, that pancake bot man, that'll send you down a, a, a rabbit hole that you don't really want to Go down. Because you never know what you're going to yeah. find at the bottom of it. There's people actually 3D printing chocolate. Oh, yeah. In the same process. They're 3D printing chocolate. They're 3D printing yeah. um, you know, pr- candy. Or like yeah. hard like um, I guess you could say what is it? They've um, got like
1: crystalline lattices and
0: things yeah. like, like hard candies and stuff exactly. that you can make. So you're actually 3D printing with molten um, uh, sugar.
1: Yeah, it's, and, and honestly, it's, I mean, the same way that they figured out how resin printing works, and when I say they, it's like a general they, like, like we figure it out by, you know, experimenting with it. They had a whole bunch of different types of, of ingredients for, you know, sugars and candies, and you can, you know, just start letting it do its thing. However, I'm not going to be the first one to taste test it.
0: <laughs> but you ordered pancake
1: pancake it, though. I, it's different that's different <laughs> no I'm ske- I'm skeptical on the pancake but I'm not I'm not' I'm, you're not wrong I'm, The the next thing it even gets deeper than that is there's they're print 3d printing meat now that's one that's a little bit questionable so far yeah they're, they're doing this but you think about it what was it like five ten years ago McDonald's had a lot caught a lot of flack because they were caught or at least it was shown that they're nuggets were like pink paste that they put like you know what I'm saying they, mm-hmm. they, they, they spread out Yeah, yeah <laughs> extrude out uh, but no they um, they can just as easily make that into like have this thing that extrudes it uh, a printer and make those nuggets now I'm not saying that's what they should do or else I'm not saying that's what they are doing just I'm just saying nugget. how easy like from that <laughs> process over yeah and of course <laughs> how does that make it a nugget <laughs> it's uh it's only pink because it was spray painted and 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 or dyed you don't want to see the actual color
0: we're not gonna be <laughs> we're, we're actually not gonna be starting to 3d print hot dogs yeah so if anybody wants to hit us up at
1: uh printed hot dogs uh we got a food truck coming to you <laughs>
0: design, design your own nugget yeah there
1: you go exactly yeah, you get to keep this nugget but no, that's but that's serious. I mean, not a lot of people are doing it, but it's it's we talk we're talking sustainability. Of course, the the population is growing, which means we need more more food, and it's ever growing more 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 food. Um, we figured out a whole bunch of ways to kind of you know create a lot of you know livestock and and stuff like that. This is a way that I bet you this guy is vegan. How he wanted to solve the meat problem right yeah more
0: likely
1: um so i mean he, he might not be however i think uh i think we're not there just yet on that side it's going to take a lot of convincing um and kind of i guess necessity for us to to jump on that that train uh but there's people eating the chocolate there's people eating the pancakes like it's like it's going yeah. out of style you know but the good thing about that though
0: i'll say this is it's getting kids involved Oh, yeah. it's getting kids involved in 3d printing it's getting people involved in additive manufacturing to a, to an extent um you may not think it's additive manufacturing you know here's a here, you know here, you know here, here's a shock face um it actually is um because you're adding two so um the thing is is anything you could do to get kids and people involved in the am in the am uh, industry it, it is i think a win You know, and anytime we can get a kid says, hey, you know what? I saw, you know, a friend of, or somebody's dad or somebody's mom or somebody bought a pancake bot. Now I'm interested in engineering. Oh yeah. You know, we win that battle.
1: Oh yeah. If you showed me the pancake bot when I was in school, I would not leave you alone about it. I would ask you to make, I'm like, there's no way that... Uh, that thing can make this this look like this person and I would go and get more photorealistic pictures continuously until I got something that was like ah, that's not good and then by that point I've, I've, I'm improving the printer <laughs> so like exactly it's, it's, it's something it's something that's beneficial I mean there's another piece too um, we've talked about it before and I think we talked about it very early on in the 3D printing conversations mm-hmm. um, so they're they're building full homes with 3D printers, right? Yep. So they're extruding concrete, similar to how the um, pancake bot works too. It's it's following a set pattern that's G code, and it's extruding out a uh, consistent concrete paste that's drying as it goes. You can put drywall up around it. You can it, it insulates like it's there's so much that it solves for you know a, as far as a home building um, in a construction standpoint that like if, if we're consistently building houses with these products then I think we can you know double the capacity uh, uh, for our of our homes and maybe we could bring down the housing market a little bit and make it affordable for everyone right
0: I, I think 3D printed concrete you know that industry is is going to boom probably here yes. in the next couple of years. And the reason why is Leonard Homes, who you know built mine, is partnered with some of these companies building 3D printed neighborhoods, you know, and uh, parts of Florida and stuff like that. They're also using them to print tiny homes for veterans who are displaced. Um, but you know, the thing is, is they're also Going to build a type of concrete formula, they're working on it currently, that will be used to print um, uh, locations on faraway planets like Mars and the moon, um, and use the um, um, material that's there to create the grit and stuff like that to print these things. Meaning that eventually we can do the same thing here in the US. And or in the throughout the United States, throughout the entire world, to 3D print dwellings from local materials, sustainable materials, turn that into concrete and clay, and build houses. You know, so then everybody has a house. There is no housing crisis anymore. These concrete 3D printers. The one, that, the biggest question that I have is, you know, I need. I would like to do more research on the current material they use to make sure that it matches the fire-retardant specifications that are required. You know, that the seismic material yeah, can be Queens, handled. Yeah. Right. Um, you know, because of, you know, the lateral shift, and, you know, so you don't have a layer separation, because a layer separation in mm-hmm. a two-story home is a little bit more than a layer separation in 3D Prime. Oh, yeah. Yeah, a little yeah. more dangerous. I don't want to be on the
1: second story when that happens. Mm-hmm.
0: But the thing is, is I think that, you know, and the thing is, is you know, if you're for or against, um, they are using these 3D printers in the war in Ukraine. Um, you know, they had them in um, Kiev um, where they were 3D printing uh, tank tracks to stop the oncoming onslaught of the tanks that were coming down Route 31 to Kiev. Um, so, you the, uh, know these these printers are showing their worth they're using them to protect roads protect infrastructure you know build that stuff up. um and also people are using them to start businesses different businesses you're building sheds you're building like you told like we were talking about earlier dog houses
1: exactly there's 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 a lot of options and a lot of things that you can use them for I think that that's um, one of the fastest growing I think um, initiatives. I mean, you see, I mean, we we looked at, there's some research going on in in a multitude of different countries. Uh, Australia, there's uh, a few initiatives to kind of try to save the coral reef out there, right? So they're 3D printing stuff for that. But I think uh, at the end of the day, they're using similar ways to print it because that's more of a ceramic and, and, and concrete to us. Like, those building blocks are so necessary to, you know, creating an ecosystem, creating a a yeah, city, a village uh, um, you know, bringing more people to whatever your uh, main goal is. So, I, I mean i would be real surprised if come five, ten years from now that full neighborhoods aren't built in like 2-3 to three weeks with a 3D printer. That makes sense. I can agree with that. So, I, see, I, I, I hope so. I would be happy to do. I really, I mean it would be really cool. I mean I think that just making one it would be really fantastic. Uh, but but yeah, no, you you bring up a good point. I think one of the biggest worries that I had when I first started printing is I was printing in PLA. I was like, oh, this feels, this feels like it'll break. It feels very brittle after my print, and and in a lot of cases I broke some prints. Uh, and then when I got to PETG, it's a little bit more resistant to the bend, uh, a little bit more resistant to, to some of the the um, you know, impacts it has, and then it steps on up. So my thing is is that I don't think that. Um, they're inherently using poor concrete or mixtures or anything like that but when you build anything and you don't consider seismic activity you get what happens in China around the last like i think it was uh, the world cup uh, a couple world cups ago where there was an earthquake that leveled the whole city yeah. like it shouldn't you shouldn't have that happen it should be able to withstand up to 5 six point, 6.0 hurricane magnitudes and and that should be baseline from the start. You you should build it to prepare for the worst, as opposed to trying to upgrade to fix a new problem.
0: Right, I can do so. that. Yeah. And I know you're going to bring up one of the other ones that we are thoroughly interested in, because I, I know that's kind of where you're going with no, no, no. us. go ahead, go ahead. You talking about the um, uh, the pellet extruder.
1: Oh, yeah, okay, maybe I have two more. (laughs) (laughs) So, yeah, the the pellet extruder is good. I mean, we watched uh, Impossible... Not Impossible builds, I'm sorry. They have a giant printer, but it's not pellet fed. Um, There's... What was it? Uh, Dimension, something...
0: uh, Dimension or something like that.
1: Something uh, Colossal Dimensions or something similar like that. It was uh, Dr. D-Flow was the YouTuber that was uh, creating this giant... uh, Man, this is like the size of half of a, 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 a half of a single card garage bay. Like, it, it's a giant printer, but it's using pellets. Um, he has to bring pellets in on a on a uh, um, on a with a forklift. <laughs> you know, it's a gi- it's on a pallet. Like, it's crazy. So, but with that, you have a you have. We saw a few of them at Rapid when we went last year. There is like a of course a container that you put them in and it and it has a um, type of vacuum system to pull from that tube or that container and in feed to the extruder those pellets just sit on, on top of each other until it heats up enough that they get melted in and that is honestly one of the best ways because if you drop any of the or if you, if you mess up any of the prints you can really gri- like put that filament like if you get it back down into its pellet form or break it down into pellets again, you could just toss it back into the system again. Right. Exactly. Keep, it, keep it rolling. I mean, it's, it's something that's very sustainable in that sense. Um, he, he went through some of the, the you know, drawbacks that I would see. Of course, if, if there's a clog, what do I have to release that clog? Um, if there's any flow issues or hose, like, uh, if there's like a leak in pressure, air pressure, then you'll have some issues. Um, but but a lot of those things like can be fixed easily with something that's uh, automated sensor right maybe some MQTT setup and and it tells you hey you've got a loss in pressure of the system and you need to check the hose or something like that that can all be built in however the fact that people are using these industrial sized extruders with that feed pellets um, it, it opens up a whole new world i mean we saw we saw uh, Filament-fed extruders uh, or hot ends/slash extruders is all direct drive altogether. That you load onto the top of a Kuka robot arm or an ABB robot arm, and and it goes from there. Of course, you have to have uh, some type of, you know, uh, extruder or infeed into that, that that hot end or that that uh, uh, tool head, I should say, because it's it's a direct drive. Um, that's that's everything. Yeah, right. I, I guess I, would it still be called a direct drive? I mean, it's it's a vacuum tube, right? There's nothing driving it besides vacuum. So, well, technically, vacuum's a force. Yeah, I mean, I guess I would count that then.
0: <laughs> it, but it, you know, we're getting on to physics and math and shit you now. Yeah, you know, we're, we're, we're seeing what the our podcast does go against different uh, you know aspects of the of the industry. Um, but I'll tell you one thing: there's nothing cooler than those uh, pellet fed shooters. Uh, We also saw them on on, uh, Creality on the Ender 3s, remember that? Um, Oh yeah, we
1: saw it on the Shiron too.
0: Right, there's also companies out there that it's a um, open pellet extruder. So you can build it yourself instead of having to go through something else. So it's a complete open source, 3D printed and designed um, um pellet extruder that goes on these printers. Um the funny part is, is the cost per pound of the pellets themselves is drastically less than what you're gonna have to buy when it comes down to rolled filament.
1: Wow. Why do you think that is? You think it's just because it's easier to make the pellets than it is to spool spool up a filament roll?
0: Well, I think what they do is what they is that they use the 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 pellets to create the 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 filament rolls. So it's prior to right. It's (laughs) pretty much here. Let's bag this and give it to you. And also, most filament um, that's in the bag form for the pellets is not colored. So you have to get the color pellets to make the change happen.
1: Ah, oh no, yeah, you gotta get like, oh, that's a good point. That's a great point. You've got, it's not like you, it's not like you put all of one, like if you want a yellow item, you don't put all of yellow pellets in there. You'll have white pellets, but you add like so many pellets per, you know, area, right? Mm -hmm. And it makes it that color it makes it that um style right
0: exactly and i think that you know the the pellet you know extruders are actually extremely sustainable like you said if something breaks or something happens you can just recycle it and start it all over again um you know and the fact that people are buying you know thousands of pounds of these things you know for that and we're also recycling robot arms yeah that's, that's a good point
1: that's a good because the robot arm was definitely used for something else is a pick and place robot or, right. you know, or or it was it was you know building something maybe it was welding mm-hmm. but now it's printing yep. it's creating exactly so uh, I so there's there's another there's another I guess this is more of a hot end uh, I just I guess uh, I was gonna bring up the um Stargate oh uh, yes um so yeah, we haven't talked about them in a little bit, uh, yeah. but they're still doing big things. I mean, they launched the Terran One, even though it was, uh, it failed second stage. It still was a successful launch. I mean, honestly, it did what they needed it to do. They got past Max uh, Q, Max Q, which is which is very impressive. I have never been past Max Q, so yeah, neither have <laughs> <am> I. <laughs> so, um, not an easy feat to do. Uh, but but yeah, they, so these guys are crazy. Their extruder is more of a, um, I guess MIG one, welder. Yeah, it's like a they're they're pretty much welding and calling it three D printing.
0: <laughs> yeah, right? it's a, it's, it's, a, it's a MIG welder on the end of a robot arm.
1: Yeah, it's so precise though. It's a beautiful thing to see. I mean, you can see the layer lines just like it would be a normal like FDM print at your house. So it's crazy that that's something that w- has been launched into space. And, and
0: maintain structure as it did. And the thing is, they want to they want to ship these Stargates. Their main goal in life is to ship these Stargates to Mars and build rockets to launch from Mars to move on to other bigger, better things. Um, that's one of their, their instates, is to use these Stargates to be rapidly portable, to be able to build them up, package them up, stick them on a rocket, and launch it. Yeah, um, I think. yeah me too. <laughs> Um, I don't know where the heck I put it, but we figured out after that. <laughs> yeah, we'll figure it out. I'll yeah. make it work. <laughs> That's one of those questions: Is do you run on regular 480, or do you require a little bit more voltage?
1: Yeah, I got my own generator in the back for, for a special reason. <laughs> yeah, you know,
0: but it's it's one of those things. But the thing is, the think about they're gonna they're gonna take this 3D printer, shove it into a box, shove that box into a, into a rocket, then more into a tube, and then launch said tube to orbit, and build another rocket. On another planet to launch it from there
1: it's just gonna keep going
0: right you know it's like you it's know actually a great, a great initiative. and the thing is if you think about it the fuel that they use on board the rocket is methane it's a methane rocket you can find methane in most places
1: and if we make it to Mars I mean you probably clear out the methane there
0: <clears throat> yeah pretty quickly wow.
1: But yeah, no, I mean I, honestly if you like, considering all these things, like we've got specialty extruders, we've got like if you break it down, most people are gonna be with a boat and tube. Yeah. There's nothing wrong with a boat and tube. Oh it, wrong. it's yeah, it's I mean tried and true, you think about it like um I still always have my like everyday shoes, but sometimes if I need to, I gotta put some boots on to do a little bit more of an industrial job or get a little bit dirtier. However, do I prefer the boots on all the time? No. Some people do, yeah, but not everybody. So, I mean, I think that I think the case is what you're printing should di- dictate pretty much what your your extruder needs to be. Um, but if you've done the research on what the bare minimums are, then yeah, have at it. I mean, the
0: yeah. only way that you can learn is to try it, right? Exactly. You know, it's give it a shot, see what happens, go from there. Oh, yeah. Um so I think we've hit all of our all of our major wickets. Um, I can't think of any other extruders to be honest with you. Maybe
1: maybe next week I'll come back and have another one for you, but I think
0: that's yeah, because I don't I don't I know when we were talking about a printer type um, that I don't know if it has a special extruder on board, but I don't think it does. Anything. It's just a direct drive. Um, yeah, um, the deltas. The deltas, like yeah. Deltas, yeah.
1: I think the Delta is a direct drive as well. I it mean, is. but I have to look at that. Maybe we, yeah, oh, it is? OK. Yeah, yeah. that makes sense. Weird Maybe The tube system might yeah, it's weird. It's got a crazy tri-wheel or tri-arm system going that it confuses me, but it works somehow.
0: <laughs> yeah, <laughs> so. it's, a, it's a giant spider.
1: Yeah, it's it's crazy. It's beautiful. I, a lot of companies have figured it out. If you have any time, check out Orbital Composites or, or the Orbital E Robot, the Orbital S Robot. Those things are crazy, and the Orbital S is kind of like it, it has the one of the Kuka robots is controlling the bed, so it can move in three directions, and then you've got an arm that's the extruder, so it can move in three directions. You get so much more exact prints, and you don't need you don't need supports anymore.
0: Yeah, well, that's, that's pretty cool. Yeah. You know, that's something I'm telling you, and yeah. it's yeah. it's it's really cool. And you know, there's so many so many things you can do, with so many different printer types. And you know, that's something that, that we like to play around. We like to look into, do some research into, learn more about. So if you you know if you fi- if you know of any weird or you know um, what we consider weird um, uh, or interesting things, uh, send it to us. We we'll, we we'll want to take a look. Um, you know, we're kind of curious if you send us down a rabbit hole, then Hey, you went, you know, we'll have you on the podcast with us and we'll talk about that said rabbit hole, um, you know, the rabbit hole of, of uh, of finding things, you know, we may hopefully start you on a rabbit hole.
1: Yeah. I get told I need to close out my tabs in Chrome because somebody says something and I've got 50 tabs open now and I'm like, well, cause that relates to this, that relates to this. I need to save everything.
0: Yeah. I can see that. <laughs> Every t- And, you know, so I will say this, I think we've hit all our major wickets and I just want to say thank you. I think we've, you know, kind of officially, you know, crossed over and to, you know, I think uh, too much information at this point, I think we're getting into, but I don't think we're going to get that. Um, You know, if we do, I don't think we're in the right business. Um, So, but, you know, I'm just looking at the numbers now, 1881. Uh, all time downloads, y'all you freaking know, we're killing it. You know, I know some people says, "Oh, that's not a lot." Yeah, for for us it is. You know, fifty two in the last thirty days. You know, extremely happy with that. Um, yeah, yeah I know. I Me too. Yeah, and exactly. And you know, the thing is, is I couldn't tell you. I I look forward to these days where we can record some some fun stuff for you. You know, learn something. You know, hope you guys to learn something. Um, you know we hope to you know get moving with our some of our our stuff with some of our the other smaller companies. Um, you know you did hear the, some company spotlights before with ULindo. Um, and we hope to play around with some of the ULindo stuff so you know hopefully we'll get our hands on that soon here in a little bit um but again, I just want to say thank you thank you for everybody who's listening you know send us some ideas let us let, let us know what you're thinking. Let us know if you find anything fun or interesting uh that you want us to take a look at or possibly try or maybe even a new filament type we'll take a look at um you know let us know um so you know i just want to say thank you and uh i'll turn it over to john
1: yeah so um you know same, same thing um as nick here i always got to echo these guys uh because you know i'm very grateful very very grateful it's it's nice to have a platform to speak um and to be honest with you if anybody has any anything that they want to kind of discuss and or if they have anything they want to fact check us on even like we I welcome it I would love to have I would love to learn what I don't know already because you know of course we always we don't know what we don't know. So we, the only way that you can learn that is, is by learning and by doing. So like, honestly, it's, it's kind of one of our goals each and every time we, we even look at a computer is like, I'm Googling something to, to, to learn. So, um, if you guys have anything, any topics that you guys kind of want us to cover as well, we can break it down into a series. We can, you know, have a video, maybe we can explain some things. I, I, you know, I kind of like the idea that, you know, Ed pitched to me, um, few weeks ago where we discussed some of the physics of some of these interactions that printers have, you know, why does the filament melt this way or why does, um, you know, why is the filament stick to the bed where I can't take it off, stuff like that. A lot of other those questions that kind of break down into some, not just chemistry but physics as well. I'd like to start kind of going over those. That sounds fun. So if you got yeah. anything like that you want to learn about, um, reach out. And uh, we'll, we'll, we'll kind of add it to the list. I've already got quite a few in there, and it'll keep building, and, and that'll be coming soon. So, so stay tuned, guys. You know, t- t- uh, same thing as we said earlier. Check out printed heritage. Um, we're we're kind of taking everybody's you know everybody's feedback. If you've got an issue, let us know. We'll work on it asap. Um, and then, and if you've got any questions, reach out. So, um, other than that, guys, you know, I'm very appreciative, and uh, stay tuned for more.
0: There we go. That's all for this episode of Tech at Lunch. Thanks for tuning in and joining us for this tech-filled lunch break. We hope you enjoyed the show. And don't forget to subscribe on all channels. And also, you can find us on YouTube under Volcanar Technology Solutions. And join us for our next episode, which gets published every Wednesday at 8 a.m. All right, y'all. Have a good one. See you later.